Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! I've got Brianna Bauer on today. Brianna was a really fun conversation. I didn't know Brianna before I talked to her. That's how this works. I say it every week. Um, and I just had a really great time. High energy. You can see by the length of the podcast, we had a really good conversation. Um, there it is. I don't, you know, peel back the curtain a little bit. I don't typically talk to somebody for an hour. And I did with Brianna. 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 That's a fun name too. Like Beyonce, but Biana. Anyway, uh, I was able to chat with her kind of forgetting about time. This is the second weekend in a row that I'm releasing an interview with somebody that I just kind of lost track of time and uh, had a great time talking to her. Um, you know, uh, again, somebody I just didn't know. So um, I'm going to first plug Miss Mel Edwards's podcast that she just released as I'm recording this, uh, maybe three hours ago, four hours ago, uh, behind the plaster line. It's only on Spotify. So if you don't have Spotify, you can get it. You can listen for free. It's not something you have to pay for yet because it's going to blow up. But, uh, she released sort of an introduction who she is little nine minute, uh, podcast. And, uh, I don't think every episode is going to be nine minutes. I don't know that for certain, but uh, this one is. So check that out. Um, I, you know, um, there are some things happening in my life right now that I'm not going to reveal on the podcast, but there are going to be some changes um, happening in my life uh, at some point. And it's just something that uh, I feel necessary, but I am going to put myself out there more as an independent contractor, um, as somebody that is here to help you, you know, be your friend. Uh, yeah, I need to support my family and pay bills and all that stuff. And that's what I'm doing with covenant and, um, learning a lot from there. But I also have realized that I can still do independent work, right? And you can still give me a phone call or a text or an email or an X that's Twitter or Facebook message, which I actually got today, and just uh, see if I'm available to help you out. I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed, thanks to Covenant, uh, being able to go into schools and uh, teach students and work with teachers. Uh, today, f as a matter of fact, I got to, uh, I was at a school and they had a student shadow me uh, most of the time. He did have to go to class a little bit throughout the day, uh, but for the most part, he shadowed me and he was very helpful. Uh, you know, sometimes when somebody says, we're going to have somebody shadow you, it's like, oh, okay, okay. It might slow you down. I am 110% bought into making sure that the student is educated. But if I'm also there to get a job done within a certain amount of time and you've hired me to do something uh, that is not, you know, related to teaching your kids, then uh, it, it may be sometimes that it's slowing you down. This case, not the case. Um, this was a kid that was extremely helpful, had keys on him, one of those kids, uh, which is great. Uh, I think you know what I'm talking about when I say had keys on him. He was able to find things that I needed to help me out. So it was a great kid, great day uh, today. 
helping out educators. And that's all I want to do. I just want to help out educators and students. I want to be in classroom. Well, not classrooms necessarily, but, you know, auditoriums, black boxes. If you want me in the classroom, fine. Um, but I want to help people out. Um, I really do. I met a guy at TXCTA. I'm not going to name him on here unless I end up doing some work with him that I'm hoping I build a relationship with because this person was very passionate about everything that I'm very passionate about. So I encourage you to go check out uh, my website, blakeminer.com. Super easy to figure out and remember that name, but check it out. Uh, join the Patreon, buy a Minor Wisdom shirt. I'm still kind of on a high from TXCTA and the amount of love I got from people. Um, it's very, very flattering. Uh, very unnecessary, but very flattering. Um, and then uh, the other couple things is that I want to talk about today is, number one, I posted this on the uh, the tech theater page that Mel and I created for Texas technical theater directors or just really theater directors in general is what we're finding people that just have questions about tech uh but don't run your stage lights as work lights i know a lot of you do a lot of people listening do and i get that sometimes it's necessary but try if you're gonna do that here's my recommendation program your presets to be at 75 percent or something to that effect you'd be amazed how much longer your fixtures will last really uh, because it's just at 75 rather than full uh, or choose a few like wash lights, right? You know, the pars or uh, Fresnels or the scoops that some of you have, if you're still running in incandescent lights uh, and choose a few of those and make them work lights, get some strategery behind the angle in which you hang those lights so that they're better work lights rather than just like pointing straight down. Anyway, I'm happy to help call me. <laughs> the other thing is I've realized very or, or quite a long time ago that I am not an alpha male. Uh, and just rather recently, I would say in the last few years, uh, I've stopped competing with people who feel they're alphas. And it's something that came up this week uh, that I wanted to discuss because um, I hope, well, for one, if you're an alpha male, don't be a bully especially when you're an adult. Number two, uh, which is not the case in my, my situation, but number two, um, I deal with alpha males or people deal with alpha males all the time. Alpha males, alpha females, whatever. People that feel the need to dominate, right? Um, and you kind of have to kind of let them go and do their thing. They're not going to change. You just have to, it's kind of like when you get over to the right lane and let that car that's going 90 miles an hour, even though the speed limit is 65, 70, you just have to move over, let them go because there's nothing you or anyone else is going to do about it. They just have to learn they're on their own that, uh, eventually they're going to be all alone. Yeah, they might be first, but they're going to be all alone. So that's how I feel about alphas, alphas, alphas. Speaking of alphas, I think alpha is coming back to TV or like streaming or something. Anyway, Hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Cody. I got another Cody in the queue this week. Who cares about Cody? We got Brianna Bauer, baby. I hope you guys have a great week. Klein ISD, you're off this week. That sucks. My kids are going to be gone all week. So, like, I can do... I'm going to be Uber eating all over the place, you know?
Enjoy this week. Check out my website, blakeminer.com. Become a Patreon. Buy a shirt. Bobby, I'm going to send you more pics. I am not originally from Texas. I grew up born and raised in Radnor, Pennsylvania, um, which the fun factoid about my alma mater there is that I, um, the Radnor High School is the high school that Grease, the the music, the movie musical was based off of. Um, And I believe one of the writers went to our school. Um, And in addition to that, part of the reason I know that is we have the longest standing high school football rivalry in the country um, against, which is hilarious coming from the East coast, but um, uh, and now living in Texas, but for one of our homecomings, the guy who wrote Grease was like, interviewed for it. It was, it was really bizarre, but anyway, so I grew up born and raised uh, in Radnor, Pennsylvania. And I, despite growing up on the East coast, there wasn't a ton of theater education in, um, my school. My mom had a business. Uh, she was a marketing kind of big wig for a while and then had me and was like, screw this. I I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and she had always wanted to kind of pursue theater and dance and those sorts of things. Um, but as many, you know, in her generation, her parents were like, absolutely not. You're not going to be a starving actress in New York city, you know? And so she went into marketing and then kind of found her way back to, um, theater arts and, and dance and whatnot. Um, through a assembly program. She she started doing a birthday party business and then did assemblies and then worked for a studio in our hometown. But um, she, you know, uh, this guy found her and was like, hey, you do great work. Come and like run the creative side of our studio. So essentially I grew up um, helping her with all of that stuff. So picking music for her shows and um, helping her design the classes and stuff, um, which you know, I loved, I loved doing that as a kid, but we really didn't have it in school. Um, middle school theater wasn't a thing at all. And then in high school, we had a theater program, but it was very small potatoes compared to what exists here. Now, that being said, that's not true of every school. Um, the Lower Marion, which then of course is what Mean Girls is based off of, <laughs> which is, it's a funny area that I grew up in. Um, has a huge theater program, incredible theater program. Um, and Radner had an okay program. Um, we did a musical a year. There were some other plays that were an option, but nothing kind of to the caliber that exists down here in Texas. Um, but I fell in love with it uh, regardless and did some, you know, camps and things and through my mom's work and, uh, decided that I wanted to go to school for theater. So I went to Northwestern university, um, got my degree from, um, from there in theater. And of course did that thing that I feel like a lot of kids do where you're like, I'm not going to do what my parents do. Like, absolutely not. Um, and you know, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not going to, you know, go into music or theater education, like no way. And then, um, you know, I'm going to be a performer. I'm going to be on Broadway, all that. And then Wound, wound up in a creative drama class my sophomore year and like absolutely fell in love with it and was like, I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, so I had an amazing professor there. Her name is Betsy Quinn. Uh, and she was my mentor then kind of from sophomore year on through the end of my undergraduate experience. And she worked at a local middle school called Haven Middle School. Um, so she actually works in District 65, which for anyone who's like a creative drama nerd out there um, is where Winifred Ward, who's like the American godmother of creative drama, taught. 
Um, and so creative drama is a huge part of their curriculum still to this day. And, um, she's still teaching at Haven, um, which is awesome. And we still are in contact. Um, but she had this really great opportunity where we could as college students go and teach in her middle school classes. And, um, my, senior year, it just so happened to be like the hundredth, I believe, anniversary of the school being open. It had been open forever. And we did this piece called Our Haven. And at the time, Michael Rode, who's an amazing devising um, theater artist and professor, um, was also a professor at Northwestern. And so I decided, they had decided to do a site-specific piece around the school about the school. And so um, I decided to do my thesis on that. And we did a piece in the cafeteria uh, with a group of, of eighth grade students. Um, and then I had kind of, again, fall, like just completely fallen in love teaching in the middle school um, environment uh, and decided that then I was directing a play in the spring, um, a play called Selkie by Lori Brooks, that uh, I ended up getting a bunch of middle schoolers to come and be my like assistance, like with the college students. Um, and so that was really kind of where I, I realized how much I loved teaching middle school. And then I loved creative drama as like a method for that really process-based work in addition to like the production and product-based work. Um, and so I was like, okay, I want to do more of this. And I knew through my undergraduate and my work with um, Reeves Collins and Betsy and a bunch of the wonderful professorship there that uh, two of the great programs for um, getting your MFA in theater education were uh, Arizona State University has a phenomenal program, uh, three-year MFA program, and then UT Austin um, having a three-year MFA. And I knew I was like, eventually I might want to go back and teach college and I don't know if I want to go get my doctorate and I commit that much time. So um, I definitely want to do my MFA. So I ended up working for a company called Child's Play Touring Theater based out of Chicago um, that performed stories written by kids for two years. I was their tour manager and performer um, and did that because while I was at Northwestern, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get my teaching certification now. But what's interesting about the way that Illinois public school systems work is that they actually don't, you cannot just get certified in theater. You have to get certified in like social studies or English. And then like drama is a certificate on top of that that you can get. And so I was like, I, I don't, well, I know I don't want to teach those things. So I don't really want to go through the whole education program here. Um, and do that. So I, I did it with a focus in theater education, which at the time they actually didn't have focuses. Um, but they, um, but they did it afterwards. But so I just say like, cause it, I did all the coursework that essentially would say I have a focus in theater ed from, from Northwestern. Um, and you know, what's cool about Northwestern is it's super focused on like student driven work. Um, they have a million student run theater programs, the largest student run musical in the U S like it's, it's kind of insane. And so I, I really did a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I performed, as I mentioned, before we get started, I, I was in a wrestling show called wrestle apocalypse that the university does every year, which was a blast and a half. Um, I was the female fight coordinator for that my senior year, which was super fun. Um, and, you know, I did, I, I learned about sound design. I learned about set design. I was a set dresser for a production noises off. I, um, assistant directed with the professorship in the department main stage shows. Um, I, um, you know, did a bunch of that stuff. So, uh, so I really felt like I got like kind of a wide variety and then 
on the on the road with touring, you know, there was a company of four of us and we would perform these stories written by kids and it was a different show every day. So I would not have fancied myself an improviser before that. And then doing that, I was like, well, <laughs> you're just you're doing a new show every day. You got to get good at improv. Um, so I did that for two years and then applied for grad school and, um, you know, got into both ASU and UT and then just was like, I, I think I have to do UT because um, both of my mentor professors were um, from graduates of ASU. And so I was like, oh, this feels really like amazing and like warm and fuzzy and, and comfortable. And then I got to UT and it's like, I'm terrified. I need to do that one. Um, so I wound up at UT. Um, and did my MFA there. Uh, I worked for a variety of organizations with the university, um, uh, uh, arts integration organization called Drama for Schools, which focuses on helping um, educators uh, who are like non-theater teachers integrate drama into their class- classroom curriculum. Um, I taught some uh, classes there, uh, taught a, uh, acting for non-majors class, which had Connor Williams who wound up on the Dallas Cowboys in it, which is hilarious. Um, so that's always a fun story. I get to tell my students. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, just, I mean, had a blast and got to do some site specific work there, uh, that I was really passionate about at their new works festival. Um, did my thesis in, um, research about like object work with young people in like theater classrooms and like thinking about objects and identity and what that performance means. Um, and ended up winning the AATE American Alliance for Theater and Education thesis award for that, which was super cool. And I was super grateful for that experience and opportunity. Um, and then, uh, as I was finishing up, so I, what I did while I was at UT is I did my, um, certification, my postback certification at the same time as my master's. So my third, uh, which I would not recommend, don't do that yourself. That's, it's, it, it was a lot of fun. I'm really glad I got it done, but it was a lot of work. Writing your thesis while trying to do your student teaching placement at the same time was, you know, a special experience truly. Um, and so I wound up, um, applying to Cedar Park Middle School. I knew I, I really wanted to be in a middle school placement. Um, middle schoolers still had my heart from my work uh, as an undergraduate and at Haven Middle School. And I just, I knew I loved it. And I love, I love teaching middle school. They're so weird in the best way possible. Um, and I'm so weird. So it really works out. Um, and so that's, I mean, honestly, was I knew I wanted that placement and, um, CPMS happened to open up that year and I applied and then, um, literally Sandra Stort, who is our then principal, uh, interviewed me. And then I think emailed me that night and was like, I saw your website and I would like to talk to you tomorrow morning. And like, we managed to get a hold of each other the next day, which also happened to be my birthday, which was like a lovely coincidence. And, you know, offered me the job. And I was like, I haven't even seen this. Like, I haven't stepped foot on campus. Like, it was a phone interview. So I was like, um, or no, I had set, I had stepped foot on campus. And it was an in-person interview. But I hadn't gone in the theater room. I hadn't seen the cafetorium. I had, like, I hadn't done anything. And so I was like, uh, can I, like, see the space before I, like, accept this job? And she's like, yes, but I would like to hear by the end of the day, which is just how Sandra always worked. Um, and so I drove up and toured around and was like, uh, sure. And so took the job and then I've just been there ever since. So, um, wow. this is my eighth year now at CPMS and people keep being like, are you going to go to high school? Are you going to teach high school? Are you going to do it? I'm like, Nope, I love yeah. middle school. <laughs> they're, they're my people. This is where I, I want to be. So, yeah. um, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I have uh, a few really good friends that are like, that are also 
all about middle school and um they're in they're in and out of uh mental homes uh because of that but uh no i'm kidding i, I shouldn't make light of that but no but the, it's a different energy i mean it's a different mm-hmm. um uh it's and and you made mention before we started recording about hearing the noise of of, of a child in the background it's it does go along with uh the idea that once a kid gets to a certain age they know better and I think there's still middle school wise, it's still like, there's still an element of innocence. You know, they're starting to Absolutely. obviously, uh, as, as a proud parent of a sixth grader, you know, uh, they are, they are starting to dive into the less innocent world, but uh-huh. they still, they still have lessons they need to be taught. So, yeah. um, now I get it. So first of all, as we record this, uh, Cedar park just had some fires there. Is everything Okay on your end everything good? yeah okay. yeah no we've been we've been okay it okay. was actually closer um to like vista ridge high okay, school okay, okay. So, like where we live and we're not far from vista ridge but um where we live and um the school seemed to be at least okay at the moment yeah but, okay you know, in this absolutely god-awful heat <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad um uh i just sat outside for my daughter's scrimmage and it was uh like i was like oh it's so hot and she's like shut up i yeah, was the one I'm on running. the running <laughs> i was the one running on the field <laughs> anyway but um so i've got to first talk about radnor philadelphia or radnor pennsylvania which is outside of philadelphia mm-hmm. here, here i looked it up on a map and i do this a lot when somebody says they're from outside of texas yeah for sure uh cuz typically if they're in Texas, I kind of know where they're whereabouts they they oh. might be from. But I'm just looking at the map, and first of all, I did know that like Philadelphia itself is t- not very big. It's no. like made up of a bunch of uh, suburbs and and Correct. smaller right. And so, uh, but Radnor it says here that it's 13 miles west of Philadelphia. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that's also Wikipedia, so it could be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah but, it's not far from Philly. But what I've noticed, there are two names on this map that I'm like, I want you to tell me more. Number yeah. one, it's just south of King of Prussia. King of Prussia, yeah. <laughs> Which you don't say King of Prussia, it's King of Prussia. Oh. It's basically like people just run it in one word. It's okay. kind of a funny. So it's yeah. a very multi-syllabic word. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> um, is it, it what it... It's Is just there a town. About, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it it does. I think it does boast like the largest, one hundred percent retail mall in the country. Like so, like you've got like Mall of America. That's the largest by square footage mall because there is a roller coaster inside, sure. and then King of Prussia has the the largest like mall that's okay. just a mall. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Other than that, there's nothing terribly remarkable good, about good it for them. Um, and then you, and then it's also not too far from a bluebell. But not like there's, it's literally, oh. it says blue, uh, off of huh. 73 near Morn's Arboretum and Garden oh. of the Universe. Uh, gar, uh, yeah, Morris Arboretum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bluebell is like right next door to it. And which is, you know, for Texans, it's like there's no, yeah. that, you know, that's a fake Bluebell, obviously. Yeah. The real Bluebell. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there when I was growing up, or at least I didn't know about yeah, it. That's funny. Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Anyway, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all so I want to spell. I thought you meant like a Bluebell ice cream store. And I was no, like, no, no, no. I don't town. know Bluebell, Pennsylvania, yeah. Bluebell, Pennsylvania unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the town, funny. the town, yeah. And there's obviously a Springfield and stuff, but mm-hmm. that's that's like every every single state. Okay, so yeah. uh, we're going to first talk about this Wrestlepocalypse, and then we'll move on to the <laughs> – <laughs> to the boring stuff, but, All good. um, so, uh, 
I went, there is still a website. It is yes, not, there is. it's not, uh, I don't think it's updated very much. It's also very, no. uh, vulgar, but, um, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is, it is a college wrestling show that we did. So but yes. is it straight up wrestling? I mean, is it yeah. okay? Absolutely. So w- why is that the thing? So it, it started with a couple of guys that really just were wrestling super fans and they were in the theater community and they just loved wrestling and they pitched. So one of the, um, the student run theater groups on campus is called vertigo and vertigo is like all student written work. So like each like group has their own thing. Right. So vertigo is like student written purple cram players is all TYA, like et cetera and so forth. And so, um, they had pitched this show to vertigo, um, before we got there, I think it was in its third year when we were freshmen. So, I mean, it's been going on every time, every year since, to my knowledge, obviously other than COVID and whatnot. But so basically they pitched it and it went up in this (laughs) theater space at Northwestern, which I've heard has been renovated. God bless. It was called, it's Shanley, which basically is this shack on Northwestern's campus that like safely can probably fit 150 people in there. And I use the word safely, like as a very important litmus to that. Um, and like this thing was, it was gross. And so part of it was that the theater kids could do basically whatever in this space because like the university, they cared to at a point where they didn't want us doing anything unsafe, but also like there were asbestos, there was asbestos in like the pipes. Like it was, it was just this like place that they just really genuinely didn't care that much about. And so we would do all of these crazy things in this space. And so, um, it went up, it was like the, so we have a thing that's in May called Dillo Day, which is like a big, like concert and like campus party basically. And, you know, they bring in all these musical acts and whatever. And so Apocalypse went up the Thursday and Friday before Dillo Day. And basically it became this like cult followed thing at Northwestern because you, you know, in true student theater, like college student theater fashion, there was a, you know, an eight o'clock show and an 11 o'clock show. And this is not just for WrestlePocalypse. This is like for like all of the shows, like why you would want to go see Into the Woods at 11 p.m. on a Saturday. Who knows? But like it it just for all of the student groups, because there were so many of us, that was like basically the only way you could get to see like all the shows that were happening in that weekend is if you would just like jam pack in this, this, this number of shows. And so what started happening with Apocalypse is it kind of like developed this name for itself. And then people would use it as this like giant tailgate before Dillo day. So like people would come and start lining up at like noon for the Friday at 11 o'clock show. Cause like that was the one to go to. And it just became this like huge campus event. So it wasn't, it expanded outside of the theater program and just became this like huge, like people from the football team would come out. People from the wrestling team would come out and audition and people from like all over and the way that it worked, like, you know, film program, economics like just random and like a lot of theater kids as well and you would audition as a character so you would come in and audition like as a wrestling character and then you do callbacks they teach you some like really basic moves and then you and a couple other folks would have to like put together a short match and that was your callback and so my first year I just volunteered to like help out because they would like you know make food and you know people would tailgate and whatever and so I was um like just volunteered with them in character um I don't even remember what the character was and then my sophomore year my now husband and I auditioned together as Hansel and Gretel and we got put in the hardcore <laughs> fatal four-way match 
and it was the weapons match. So yeah. we had like a giant lollipop. Like it was just kitschy and silly. Like it, the whole point of it was just to be like super goofy. Um, but my favorite was senior year. I wrestled as Bridezilla and like the joke I was in the women's match that year. And it was like, I was getting like taunted by the other wrestlers. And I went from this like very demure bride and then like hulked out basically. And nice. It was super fun. Like it was, we, we would all get like the guys who ran it. And then like, obviously there was a, um, a guy jumped in on the team my senior year as well. Um, they would give us wrestlers to watch. Um, you know, we, we learned all about like the basics of like, okay, like who's the heel, who's the face, like, are you wrestling as a heavyweight as a cruiserweight, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah. So like wow. I, you know, learned how to do a helicopter hurricane Rana and the suplex and all the stuff. So it was, it was super fun. So, two things on that one uh i told my wife uh i just i just finished another masters a second one similar to this type of pain that you probably felt when you were uh <laughs> doing your post back you know and all that yeah. anyway but um i told my wife i'm not going to go back to school but i might change that i might go to i might see if northwestern <laughs> <laughs> well you can do so it's really cool one of our good friends so um his this guy that we went to college with he was a year below us and he auditioned as a freshman as the ref because they were obviously like you had yeah like your announcers you had and like some of it was improv like some of the announcing and stuff was improv but most of it was scripted and um he was the ref and he was the ref for all four years all four of his years um because he was typically there weren't like returning characters but occasionally there were and so he was a ref for all four years and now we actually just saw him this summer. We spent some time with him. Um, he, uh, trained and is like now doing refing for like amateur wrestling in <laughs> Chicago. Um, and it's like a whole thing that you can like go and do. And so oh, yeah. he's like, um, it's like a, you know, it's not super, it's like semi-professional. Yeah. And so we were chatting about that. Um, we went on a trip together, a big group of us, uh, this summer. And, you know, he was telling us all about kind of like how the experience has been super fun and really crazy. And yeah. So it's a thing you can absolutely do. Uh, oh, trust me. I've looked into it. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> it's just out where I live. Uh, uh, there, there's a great, great, great wrestling school um, in mm -hmm. Houston that, that a, a, a Hall of Fame wrestler named Booker T runs. Cool. And uh, I've looked into uh, going down there and, yeah. and, 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 but anyway. I'm not going to do that. Uh, the, <laughs> the other, the other thing uh, that I wanted to ask is why Northwestern? What, what about Northwestern? Because uh, that's not, it's not like it's you know Texans. Uh, any other state outside of Texas is really far from Texas. Mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas Philadelphia, yeah. you're close to, you're close to Delaware. I mean, you're close to like yeah. everywhere, right? So, or not everywhere, but you know what I mean by that. But well, yeah, I mean so, you can drive five hours and go through or drive three hours and go through five states. Like yeah. it's, and yeah. I know, and I know Chicago is not, a, not necessarily a hop, skip and a jump and it's, it's somewhat of a distance, but what mm -hmm. was it about, uh, that, that kind of out of state experience that you sought? Yeah. Um, I mean, I looked at a lot of places, including some places like on the East coast. Um, because obviously there's a bunch of really amazing schools there, but I think I grew up, I mean, I grew up going to New York. I grew up like my mom would, pull me out of school, we'd play hooky and I'd go see a Broadway show because it was an hour and a half to two hours from my house, um, which was incredible. But I knew that I wanted an experience that was just somewhere different and new. Um, and when I got to Northwestern, I, I also knew that I didn't want a conservatory program. Um, that was something that I was pretty passionate about. I was like, I want to like go and get my like liberal arts degree more or less. Um, and 
when I got there, it was just for me, it was like that perfect combination of like, Hey, I love the campus. I think it's really beautiful. Um, and I love being right near the lake. Um, so I think that was a big draw for me because it's really, and like, you know, Chicago, obviously being right there. Um, but for me, I think it was just that combination of like a great liberal arts education. And then like just the amount of stuff that happens on their campus is just kind of incredible. And, um, and I was so impressed with, with that and with the perspective, the professorship and like the electives that were offered. And, you know, even though I was going and being like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to do you know theater education. Like the fact that there was like a storytelling class and a creative drama class and those sorts of things. Um, I don't know. I was, I was super impressed and excited about a lot of that. Yeah. Cause Northwestern is to, I mean, from, from my experience, typically known as, uh, or a lot of broadcasters have gone mm-hmm. through that. Northwestern system. So that's where I always hear about it, but, um, and the occasional football game, but, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> very, occasional. You know very, very occasional, they had a good stint not too long ago, but yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you know, do you know now if Pennsylvania has expanded their theater education system or is it still somewhat similar to, to your experience? I'm not sure. I think it's kind of a school by school case by case I think what's interesting and unique about Texas, and it's so funny because like, you know, being down here for as long as we've been, this is our 10th year. Like right now we moved down here 10 years ago. Um, when I started my, oh, my MFA at UT, which I guess I didn't really (laughs) talk about a little bit. Um, but, um, but I think what's always so shocking to folks that don't live in this state is that they don't realize like how expansive the UIL system is and how much that's done for theater education. You know, I always joke that like someone got smart and was like, oh, wow, Texans like trophies. Let's just make trophies for everything. And then all of a sudden, like you have these schools with these incredible fine arts programs, like, and I think, you know, CPMS, um, you know, I, I tell my friends who, are in Chicago or on the East coast or in California. And I'm like, yeah, we have a dance teacher and now two theater teachers, an art teacher, three band directors, two choir director. Like, and they're like, I'm sorry, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's just what's normal here. Like, and obviously CPMS is in a really lovely area. And like, we have a lot of resources and a lot of teachers, but the fact that like, you know, no, most, most middle schools of a certain size have a theater teacher. Like that just doesn't exist in it as many places outside of like certain pockets of other states. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, the UIL system, you know, love it or love it or leave it. Right. Has really, I think helped with that. Um, oh, yeah. and people just don't realize it, um, that live outside of Texas. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, you know, the other, I don't think I'm revealing any secrets when I say this, but, uh, Amy, um, uh, uh, Texas thespians, Amy, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Now, oh my gosh, I I just had like a an old man moment, uh, but <laughs> anyway, Amy will say uh, we don't want to do medals, we want to do trophies, right? We, because because administrators and people just like to hold uh, that that trophy. They want to they don't they don't want to put something around their neck. It's you know something tangible. So anyway, mm-hmm. but 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 you're probably right about that. Uh, I first of all, I got to This is a statement, not 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 a question, but you seem to know a lot of facts. Like you, you were, <laughs> you, you were spouting off, you know, I grew up here. This is what it's known for. I went here. This is what it's known for. You know, uh, my dog, we adopted my dog from this pound. This pound is known for, the, you know, you seem to know, uh, 
uh, a lot. I mean, is that just something you just, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I guess I, I think that's funny. I think, um, the, the Radner fact in particular came to mind because we literally just had to take a birthday survey for school. And it was like, (laughs) where, what high school did you go to? And is there anything notable about it? And I was like, why? Yes, there is. So I think like that was just like fresh on the brain. Okay. Um, from the school year. I was going to say it was, uh, it was impressive that you were kind (laughs) of, uh, you know, spouting off all those facts, but, um, (laughs) I do want you to talk about, so you mentioned this, uh, children's theater that you work for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tell me more about this. Cause you, you quickly just said, you know, it's plays written by, or stories written by kids. Like, yeah. So yeah, elaborate. Yeah. So, um, Child's Play Touring Theater is a company that's based out of Chicago. And basically they were one of the first companies, if not the first company to do kind of the, um, story assembly program model where schools kids at schools would write stories and then send them off to the company and then the company would read them and then pick a couple of winners and go back and perform the stories at the school and so there's a lot of other organizations that have now popped up around the country so story wranglers and um which is here in austin and barrel monkeys which is another company in chicago and story pirates which i believe is in New York or LA, I don't remember, one of the coasts. Um, but there's, they do this work where essentially they take these stories written by kids and then develop them into like fully produced pieces. And a lot of what Child's Play did is they thought about it as like the other side of literacy, right? Like they develop these, these, um, you know, this idea of like writing and, and developing stories and encouraging literacy um, with with young people through the arts. And so what's actually been really fun is at CPMS, I took what I had done at Child's Play while I was working there. And I do that now with my advanced theater classes. So I have two advanced theater classes at CPMS and we have our elementary schools who are our feeder schools mm-hmm. um, write stories. And this is, this will be our seventh year doing it with them, um, write stories and, uh, the, the middle school students then read all the stories, select the stories, and then break into production teams and adapt them, design them, perform them, do all of it. And then we tour it back to the elementary schools. And it's one of their favorite things to do. It's super fun. And I mean, it's a free assembly program for the elementary schools. That's, you know, using their, uh, you know, their fine arts, um, wonderful performing arts teachers there. And we piloted that program with Nauman Elementary School. It'll be seven years ago now, which is wild to say out loud. <laughs> um, yeah, because this is my eighth year. Yeah. And we, yeah, no, maybe six years. Maybe it was six years ago. But anyway, um, with Jennifer Sullivan, who's incredible. She's an incredible um, educator. And she was kind enough to say like, yeah, sure, let's try it out to like my kind of wacky idea. And then, um, after that, we um, started working with Cypress and Westside, where we've got um, Laura Ashley Butler, who's also incredible at Cypress Elementary, and Sarah Kamenji, who's at Westside, who's also fantastic. Just really, I'm very lucky to have like really wonderful um, theater educators or you know performing arts educators because they do both yeah. music and theater at the elementary level that are feeding into to CPMS. And then this year, we're finally adding Deer Creek um, Elementary School, which is our other big feeder. So, yeah, we're the kids are super excited to get Deer Creek in there as well because yeah. a lot of them are alumni from that. And so, yeah, though, so I started in in Child's Play and then have really taken that and adapted it into 
um, a large part of my advanced theater curriculum because it's like full production stuff and the kids kind of do it all themselves. I'm there as like their executive producer and to help talk about, okay, how do you select a season and those sorts of things. But yeah, so that's, that's that's kind of the trajectory of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, If middle school teachers are listening to this, I have a feeling they're going to reach out to try to get your information about that because that sounds like a very... That's like a, almost like a no duh type of way of doing vertical alignment. I mean, that's yep. such a, and, and even then expanding on that and you guys being the story creators and the high school being the storytellers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, keep going just, um, by the way, little known fact on my part, deer Creek, not a single deer is in that area. Just so you know. <laughs> um, so I don't know that for sure, but story pirates, you were right. You were right on both accounts. They are in New York and Los Angeles. Oh, well, there you go. My For crack- anyone who's listening, they have a hilarious example called All Eight Unicorns, which is a song that they've adapted, and it will get stuck in your head. It is very funny. Um, my crack research team looked it up real fast. So they yeah. also they also have a podcast. So, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I'll guess I'll push their podcast. They're not a competitor. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, well, good. yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, like, I'm kind of jealous of that idea. I think that's a really... Um, like I said a second ago, my daughter just entered sixth grade, uh, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm becoming friends with her theater teacher or future mm-hmm. theater teacher. And so maybe I'll make a, uh, little, put a, put a little bird yeah. in her ear, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. We uh, did a presentation, my, a friend of mine, uh, Mahalia Dinglassen, who teaches at MacArthur high school. Um, that she used to, she does it still, I think with her students. And so she and I did a presentation at TTA a couple years ago now about the page to stage model. So if anyone wants to reach out, we've got resources that we can share. Cool. So that's yeah. really neat. So, uh, I got to ask you why the podcast, Mike, why the podcast, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. So my husband, um, it, we, so my husband and I met as theater students at Northwestern mm-hmm. and, um, when we moved down here to Austin, so he's a performer and, um, had done, uh, basically like music stuff for he he still does music he does he's a musician as well and um when he first moved down here he was like i'm gonna try to continue to do the performance thing and had an agent here in town and did, did some voiceover work gotcha. and so we have the the podcast mic from from the voiceover days um and now actually he's working uh he's uh, one of the operations managers at ut for the department of theater and dance oh nice um so yeah Okay. So, Keep it yeah. going. Go yeah. hook, hook them. Yeah. Uh, hook them <laughs> so, uh, uh, what was your sort of, when you moved down to Texas, what was sort of the biggest culture shock or just maybe not culture even maybe I get a lot of people that have seasons where they grew mm-hmm. up when they yeah. come down to Texas, they're like, well, there are no more seasons. Um, uh, <laughs> you've got two, you know, summer and not as hot. Um, yes. So what was kind of the biggest shock to you? Um, I think what's funny is growing up on the East Coast, like people are pretty intense. Um, and we were, I, I remember my parents being here and we were like in Central Market or something and people were so friendly. And my parents were like, why is everyone so friendly here? <laughs> like they loved it, but it was just, I think it was genuinely surprising that like people are you know, people just stop and they'll chat and like, it's just a much more like relaxed and laid back environment. And like, I had lived in the Midwest for six years. So I was like, this isn't wildly shocking to me. Cause I feel like the Midwest has a similar vibe in that way. But, um, 
but I think like that was an element of like people being just like incredibly like open and friendly and casual in a way that I just don't, I think probably now exists more on the East coast, but like when I was growing up just wasn't as much of the vibe. Um, and so I think that definitely, and then also just the sun I'd moved from Chicago. So like seeing the sun, like most of the year, like obviously I know it's incredibly hot right now and like we would die for some rain, but, um, like growing up on the East coast in the Midwest and then being in the Midwest, I was like, Oh my God, it's sunny most of the time. This is incredible. Like I was thrilled by that. It was, a, I think that was like a positive, you know, I think people think like, Oh, culture shock, like, Oh, that maybe not a good thing. I was like, these are great things. So I was yeah. like, Oh, this is, this is nice. I like this. I uh, traveled to Philadelphia my first time in uh, 98, 97. Mm-hmm. And I was by myself. My parents sent me up there to see a friend and I was, I think 15 Mm-hmm. And I remember the last day that I was there, uh, my friend, I don't remember why, but she could not entertain me. And, uh, <laughs> I had to go like walk down, down, ta- walk around downtown Philly, kind of the historical element, I guess, or yeah. the historical area. And uh, to just to waste time before my flight. Mm-hmm. And she said, whatever you do, don't look anybody in the eye. And I, and I was like, what? That's, that's yeah. That is like not. kind of intense sometimes. <laughs> like I, 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 you know, when I was in high school, I went into the city a lot, but it like you know because I had friends in 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 the city, but it was, uh, yeah, it is. It's a very different energy yeah. um, on the East Coast than it is uh, here in the South in, uh, or in Texas in general. Where is in Texas that you have found thus far? Where's the best cheesesteak? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, usually I'm like a little bit of a jerk about that. and like, <laughs> oh, it's not Philadelphia. Like I, well, I sure, do yeah. have that edge yeah. to me a little bit. So I haven't, I will say I haven't had too many cheesesteaks. I'm trying to think. I feel like I had one. Have you ever had Jersey before. Mike's? They're, they're... I have had Jersey Mike's before. I haven't had their cheesesteaks okay. specifically, uh, but um, I can't think of it. I can't think of the last time I had a cheesesteak in Texas. Yeah, for, <laughs> for, ever. for a native Texan, the Jersey Mike cheesesteak is not too bad but you know i also didn't grow up yeah i respect yeah if you're gonna go to philadelphia don't don't mess with pats and gino's you gotta go to jim's on south street that's the rule so Uh, yeah at least in my opinion yeah exactly there's a big rivalry (laughs) oh yes jim's is my in my opinion the best um it's very tasty yeah i spent quite a few summers in cincinnati and it's the same thing with chili there Mm-hmm. You you either like one uh, chili brand or a different, you know, uh, I just had, I just went to Dallas last week and it happened to, my hotel was next to a deep dish pizza place oh. in Dallas. That's, and, yeah. And I was, and I ordered it because I was like, one, I had, uh, they gave me money for food. So I was like, well, it's not yeah, mine. So, um, and two, I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. It was not, it was in a deep dish. Mm. It was not deep dish, but. Uh, yes. so the same thing you, you do have kind of a, an interesting sort of path food yeah. wise, if you go with, yeah. food, you know, cause you come from cheesesteak world you and then yep. you go to deep dish world and now you're down absolutely. in like barbecue Tex-Mex Taco, world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's funny. What, uh, yeah. the first time you ever had Tex-Mex, I'm sorry that this whole podcast is being now food no. related, but that's I, okay. We can do this and then I can, I, we can jump back to theater ed. <laughs> <laughs> or not, I don't know, man. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, what the the first time you had Tex Mex? What was how euphoric was that experience for you? In, incredibly, <laughs> okay. I will say, I it was an incredibly. We went to, I believe it was like Trudy's or something in in Austin, and um, 
And I think obviously like prices and inflation, and all of that have adjusted wildly. But at the time we were coming from like Chicago prices to then Austin prices. And I was like, what is this magic? Like it was just like, um, and you know, the queso and the Mexican martini and all of that. And you're Very like, good. wow, this isn't, this is amazing. Um, and so uh, definitely made that a, a regular stop in our grad school rotation for sure. Nice. Good. All right. Enough about food. Um, <laughs> so back to, back to theater education. So when you, sure. uh, when you started teaching in, in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, we already sort of touched on the one act play world, but, uh, was there, did you feel any pressure to kind of, you know, being that this state is so uh, supportive, but also so competitive with theater. Yeah. Uh, was there any pressure on you to make sure that you like didn't let your feeder high school down with training or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's something that I always am like seeking to send really like enthusiastic and, and well-trained kids up to the high school level. And, and I think that like, I felt very lucky because I, I came in and like Leander IC is a great district. It's with wonderful teachers um, and who do incredible work. And so my very first year, I had never seen UIL before. I had no concept for what it was. Um, and so it was actually really funny. My One of my best friends from college um, and my roommate post-graduation uh, is from Texas. And he was like, you're going to get to do UIL. It's amazing. And I was like, I have no concept for this. Um and, you know, he was like, it's like, you know, it's like magic. And like, you know, he's a very um, energetic and like very passionate person. And and so he's explaining it. And I'm like, cool. Um, and I just remember them looking at the rule book and being like, what? Like, <laughs> how? And and so um, my very first year, you know, um, there were eight schools in our district at the time. And I did uh, Gathering Blue. And I remember, like, I think this was when they still had, like, fabric limitations. And we were doing this, like, weaving thing on stage with, like, actual yarn. And I remember, like, being, like, so paranoid because I just, I had no concept for, like, are people going to, like, sit there with a tape measure and measure this. And so I like remember sitting and doing the math on like, if you stretch out the yarn and it's a quarter inch thick and like literally like so like anal compulsive about it just because I just didn't know. Um, and we came in third in our district and I was like, I'd never done this before. So I felt super lucky. I was like, I, I'm so confused. And then we were very lucky that the next, the following uh, four years after that, we came in first place in the district. So I was like, you know, once I kind of got bit by the bug, I was like, okay, I want to do this now. And, um, and, you know, felt like I learned a lot from, um, you know, other directors in the district who helped me. And, you know, we were doing, you know, clinics with the high school and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. Um, and, uh, and I, yeah, I, I definitely got bit in that way. Um, and then one of the things that I learned from Beth Abel, who I know has been on your podcast as well, um, was she always encouraged folks to expand on the number of kids, especially at the middle school level, right? Because so you have your 24 that you can take, but then, okay, great. Like there's nothing, I think there's actually a line in the rule book that says like, especially at the junior level, like community members can help with the creation of props and set and, um, costumes, as long as you're not like breaking the rules backstage. And so she always had like, uh, I think she called them her like fairies or something. Like she had a cute name for it. And, um, I know like at Rouse, they call them like the rally squad or whatever. And, um, and so we, 
have like this massive extended crew. And so people always laugh when I'm like, they're like, oh, UIL. And I'm like, yeah, there are 90 kids involved. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? And I'm like, yeah, there there are 90 kids involved because we just have a huge interest. We AACPMS is a big school, but we also have a really big interest. And so, you know, I have a full cast and I have a full understudy cast. And then we have like all of the crew and then we have like all the extended crew and then sixth grade apprentices. So it means so it ends up being this like kind of like massive group of kids, um, which like everybody in my district, we're all very good friends and and they tease me because, you know, you go to see zone and it's like, you know, a little group from this school and like a little bigger group from the school. And then like the quarter of the auditorium at Cedar Park Middle School and like, yeah, well, oops. Um, but um, but it's super fun. And so I think like for that, we have a ton of kids and I always really look at the productions. We do three a year at CPMS. So we have obviously our UL in the fall and which is when it's structured for us. And then we do a spring musical, um, which is a great collaboration between myself, um, choir and dance. And then it was also multimedia, um, who is my other, um, one of my best friends who was like my official assistant, and has a background in tech, Nisa Sharma, who just retired. Um, so it was the five of us would do the musicals together, which was a blast. Um, and then in the past couple of years, um, because of my connection to UT, I always get a student teacher from UT. Um, and so for the past three years now, yes, um, the student teacher, there's been a student teacher production in the spring as well. So the students get to do another production that then largely I just have to supervise for and don't actually have to direct and do like, I'll tech direct for it basically, but don't have to, um, be there in like the full on director's role, which has been great. And so, um, and gives the kids an opportunity to like learn from someone else, which is really incredible. Um, and so that I always think about like my productions are always for kids who are like, those are the kids that like really, really, really want to do theater in high school. Um, that's a really great training ground. And then my classes um, were structured very differently up until this year, which is actually, I could talk a little bit about that, but um, up until recently, literally up until this past year, all of my classes with the exception of my advanced theater classes were semester long classes. So it was, you know, my seven, eight theater class, which is technically theater two, right. Is like a mix of seventh and eighth graders. Some of who have taken it for three years and some of who this is their first time setting foot in the theater class. So doing a lot of that sort of exploration and trying to keep it fresh for kids who have been there for a couple years and then six grades a semester and then advanced as a year long class. But this year, because my friend Nisa retired, um, she was in charge of multimedia yearbook and computer science. So computer science, I think, went away as an elective this year. Yearbook went to someone else. And I went, well, because I went to my principal and said, hey, if you get me a second theater teacher, I myself and this second theater teacher will take on the multimedia program. Um, And so I uh, was able to, we we hired my then student teacher, now colleague, Morgan Coe, who is wonderful and very excited to be working with her. Um, to be the work, work, you know, Bauer and Co. as the joke, because her last name is literally CO. Um, but we're, we're co-teachers, um, and we both are teaching now the theater and multimedia program. So for my class schedule, what that looks like now is I have given up the like seven, eight classes other than my advanced classes. So I teach two sections of multimedia, two sections of sixth grade theater that's still semester long, and then two advanced theater classes, which is an audition-based class. And then Morgan is teaching four sections of year-long seventh and eighth grade theater, which we're really excited. It finally was able to switch to a year-long because of 
you know, the schedule opening up and then two sections of multimedia. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we're super pumped and it's really nice. Like I have someone who is like a designated second teacher now. Um, and I'm thrilled. Um, and, and really, again, she's incredible and I'm really, really excited to be working with her. Um, so, so that's kind of how it got restructured. And so again, like a lot of my classes, yes, we're like training grounds, but also like a lot about theater just being a form of self-expression and a a safe space for kids and, um, and obviously building those skills through theater, but like, you know, building a lot of those skills of like self-confidence and collaboration and critical thinking and all that sort of stuff, because I wound up with such a wide range of kids who were in those classes. Um, so yeah. Um, and so I think even like, even with advanced theater, um, obviously like I am training those kids to continue on at the high school. Um, and, um, and also like some of them are just in it in middle school because like, they just love theater. Like they just are super passionate about it and, um, passionate about the environment and yeah, it's super fun. We have a great time. (laughs) Um, that's good. Uh, I like the multimedia element because that's where a lot of things are going now is yeah. adding that into production. So um, mm-hmm. good for you. That'll, that's a good uh, growing ground for, for those kids. I'm sure Absolutely. the high school will appreciate that too. But Yeah, um, I'm feeding into the broadcast journalism program right, as well now. Right, that. there you go. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of get you out of here on this you you mentioned that you have a child do you have more than one child or just one okay just one how old she is 10 months so okay perfect those are all the answers i wanted so now that you have (laughs) a uh 10 month old you have a baby almost a toddler Mm -hmm. um which i'm sorry to tell you that there she's about to be toddlering yeah Um, no i'm 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 fully prepared all right good (laughs) Uh, yeah, put those knives away that are in the background, but anyway, mm-hmm. I, I'm kidding. But, uh, but the, the work-life balance is, is a really big topic, right? Right yeah. now. And so, Absolutely. uh, you said you do three shows, you have mm-hmm. an assistant or a, or a co-director and yeah. literally a co-director. Cause you said yes. the last name's co. <laughs> um, but, uh, what do you think, uh, you, how have you so far and what will you be doing to make sure mm-hmm. that you kind of keep your cup full and, uh, you know, burnout is a big, big deal right now. Uh, you're, you're talking to somebody right now that, that just did it. And, you know, my wife experienced it. So it's a, it's a thing. How Mm -hmm. are you going to now as, as a somewhat new mom, I'll consider 10 months still pretty new. Um, and also a rather active educator. How are you going to keep yourself full? Yeah, for sure. So I think one part of it for me is like, I, I did get really good last spring about leaving work at work. And, um, obviously that's a challenge for everybody, especially for those of us in theater, because our hearts are so tied up and wrapped up in the work that we're doing and the kids that we have a hard time with that sometimes. But I think knowing that I have a really supportive, like fine arts, group. Um, all the teachers I work with are incredible and I'm really lucky, um, that we all work really well together that like, it's not a lot of us share kids. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you have a kid that's going through a hard time, right. It's not just me, it's me and choir and dance and like, and band or, and, you know, um, or not necessarily all of those things at once, but like 
a lot of us share kids, right? And so I think knowing that is really helpful and having that supportive team. Um, having a, having a co-teacher is incredible. Like, I think one of the things that we talked a lot about, um, this year is like, I am at a chapter in my career now where like, if I had gotten a second teacher, my second year teaching or third year teaching, I would have been like white knuckle grass, like, no, I don't want to let go of projects. And now I'm like, take it. Like you want to direct the musical, go for it. Like I'll tech direct. And so, um, just really finding that opportunity to, because she is a first year teacher, you know, say like, okay, great. Like you're going to take on some of these projects. And we've been really good about sitting down and divvying up like what feels um, like, you know, stuff she really wants to take on, what stuff I still need to take on. Um, and I think I've got very lucky in that we have very like complementary skill sets. So, you know, she's the kind of person who wants to make the theater bulletin board looks super beautiful and aesthetic. And I'm like, I just want it to exist. Like, <laughs> like I want it to look pretty, but I don't have the brain space for it. And she totally does. So, and is in- incredible at it. So I'm, I'm again, very lucky in that, in that regard that I think we're, we're trying to find that balance. And then I think the last thing for me is, well, it's kind of two part, like a taking on multimedia is something that feels like reinvigorating because it's something new. Um, I, I love digital media during the pandemic. Like I pivoted and made a bunch of weird, silly YouTube videos. Like there's a unicorn aerobics video of me floating somewhere around on the internet in an inflatable unicorn costume. Like it's real dumb. Um, but like, I think for me, like that's, I, I don't know. I think that video actually kind of summarizes what I and really try to do in my classroom, which is if I'm not having fun, the kids are not having fun. And so, um, like I love to be goofy and silly and do really, you know, what the kids would probably say are super cringy stuff. Um, but like to laugh at myself. Right. And I think also, um, one of my big tenets of like being a teacher is like, a my teaching philosophy is the rules of improv. You know, you've got to be responsive to what the kids are bringing into the room and B, if you're not, teaching from a place of joy, then like, why? Like, I, I'll never forget. I had a, a teacher, um, come and observe me as part of their professional new to district professional development. And she was like, Oh, we're doing this monologue project right now. And I was like, why? And she kind of looked at me and she's like, well, I was like, nowhere in the takes does it say you need to teach monologues literally nowhere. And she was like, Oh my God, you're right. And I was like, so why are you teaching that? If you don't like it, like, why are you teaching? Like, do I think it's important for kids to understand how monologues are a skill? Yes, absolutely. But like, um, but like, if you don't like the project, why are you teaching that project? And so like one of the things that I do, cause I'm a big old nerd, um, and I love D and D is I teach a huge process drama unit going back to my roots at Northwestern to my advanced theater classes every year that is rooted basically in not D and D as a system, but it's called the fate system. So basically it's this huge structured improv that I use to teach characterization and monologue work and scene work and structured improv and long form improv. And like we do design work through it. Like it's this huge immersive story and it's fun. Like it's super fun for me and it's super fun for the kids. So like, as an example, two years ago, I always pick like a aesthetic to play around with. Like, Two years ago, it was 1900s Paris World's Fair, but like in a world where there was magic, sort of. 
um, and I made a giant um, installation in one of our portables that was like a curio shop called the Wandering Shop, and it ended up being an escape room later in the drama. Um, and like, I got a bunch of the high schoolers to come and help me out with it, you know, and my friend Nisa helped me. And this past year, um, I had, again, Nisa and I are very close. Um, Nisa's oldest kiddo is a, um, is a professional writer. And so I had Z write me a couple story seeds and then the kids, we like voted on what we were going to do for the structure for this process drama. And it ended up being this kind of like, um, crash site, like space exploration sort of drama. And, um, I made a basically a D100 table, which if you're familiar with D&D, like is like, you know, you have all these things and then you roll a D100 and we did space encounters and the kids wrote the encounters. Like, what are you going to encounter? And so I would just imp- like based off of what they had written, we'd improvise something and they'd try to get out of it or they'd try to get a resource or figure out what was going on. And, um, and I use what is, I think it's called the fate system where it's two six sided dice. So it's not D&D with like all the math and qualifiers. It's just two six sided dice. And if they, let's say um, this actually to bring it back to wrestling, because it all comes back to wrestling. One of the scenarios that the kids wrote was they encountered a space WWE. And I was like, let's go. Yes, absolutely. And so I was like, okay, great. When you land on this planet, roll two D6. And based off of that, and again, largely I'm improvising this based off of what the kids have suggested. So they rolled, you know, they rolled two D6 and I think they got, the, the, so the way, sorry, I'm doing a bad job of explaining this part. The way the system works is if you get a six or below, it's a complete failure. Whatever you're trying to do is a failure and usually fails kind of like catastrophically. If it's a seven to nine, it's a mixed success. And if it's a 10 or above, it's a complete success. And so basically they land on the planet and I'm like, all right, you're just going to roll basically a pure luck check to see what happens. So they rolled the two six-sided dice. They think they got like a four total. And I was like, great. So this person comes out and they're like, oh my gosh, you're late. You got to get in here. And like, they were mistaken for like wrestlers and were thrown into this like brawl ring. And so I had other kids jump up from the class and we weren't actually fighting or anything. They were literally just doing contested dice rolling. And so they're like responding and they're like in character and they all have characters that they play throughout the story. And I had other kids jump up as like other wrestlers and they were rolling dice to see like who won the match, but they had to tell me like, what do you do? Like, what are you trying to like? And so it's all this, it's all just improvisation in that particular example. But then like, you know, the way the story progressed, they landed on this planet and, you know, then at some point they had to write a character monologue and perform that character monologue. And then, oh my gosh, look, we're still covering monologues. But it's a character that you've spent a lot of time working on, something that you're excited about, you're doing playwriting, like it's incorporating all this stuff. And then also the other kids are excited to watch it and think it's fun because it's de- they're thinking about how to develop narrative, this long scale narrative that we're all telling collaboratively as a way to, you know, and so the kids are engaged. They want to hear what the monologues are, you know, because how many times have you done a monologue project and the kids are sitting there being like, okay, fine, whatever, right? If it's just random. But now, like, kids are like dropping, like, you know, character reveal stuff and all the other kids in the audience are like, ah, like, you know, having these huge reactions. And it's like, right, that's what theater is supposed to be, right? You're supposed to elicit a reaction from your audience. You're supposed to be sharing something that's engaging. And so, sorry, I get really fired up clearly when no, I talk no. about this. So, um, so that's, I mean, to, to, as a very long and tangential story way of yeah. telling, to answer your question, like, I love to do things that are exciting to me and 
therefore hopefully also exciting to the kids. And if it's not exciting to the kids, change it, do something different. Um, so for me, like, I think that's what's helping me with the burnout is I'm doing stuff with my kids. That's fun for me too. Like I'm, I'm having fun, you know, and we get to play together. Cause like, I think that's what we sometimes get lost in the sauce about is like, it's, it's still play. It's a play. I always look at my kids and go, it's a play. You're playing pretend mm -hmm. it's play. And so, um, for me, that's definitely, I think what's kept me going through it is, um, you know, this year I sit down with my seventh graders who are like my veterans in the advanced theater class. I'm like, all right, what do you want to do next year? And they have settled on, they want something kind of creepy and they want time travel. And I was like, great, we're going to go full doctor who with yeah. this. Like, yeah, just absolutely. Like, yeah. and, and I'm stealing tropes from everywhere. Right. Like it's like nothing is original. Um, you know, I steal music from, uh, or not steal, Sorry, I, I should really, yeah. but like, I use music in the classroom as a way to engage kids from like other podcasts that um, I'm a big Adventure Zone fan, which is kind of like the OG, like D&D &D pod, real, right. like real play, whatever podcast. And so Griffin McElroy has a bunch of the music that he's done. And I use that in class with the kids and the kids are always like, oh, there's music on something bad's going to happen. <laughs> like they know, like it's just so silly. Um, but yeah, I think and that's, you know, one of my several units, but it's that's something we all look forward to every year. It's like right. just a fun way to engage. Minor wisdom.